Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome and thanks for joining us again. Uh, joined by former Illini do-it-all swingman Billy Cole. I'm Sam Maniscalco. Uh, you're tuned into another episode of the Champagne Room Hoops podcast brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Uh, tons of good stuff on the docket today. Some spicy stuff going down in Champagne uh, after the most recent loss. But uh, before we get rolling, Bill, what's good with you lately, bro? How's the family? Not much, not much. Um, family's good, lots of work. Saw you yesterday at work, um, so that's always fun. Uh, but no, just ready to talk Big Ten hoops with you. I think this is cool. I kind of, I got the guest appearance on the pod with you and Brandon, and it sounds like I'm going to be more of a, a regular thing now that Brandon's back overseas, and then I'm sure he'll be jumping on as much as he can. But so I appreciate you, uh, you having me be your wingman. I'll be a uh, goose. Yeah, man, we're happy to have you. Thank you. Um, I can't believe it's 2023 already. That's crazy. I feel like we were just floating into 2022 not too long ago. Um, but we got tons of stuff on the docket today. A lot going on um, with Illinois hoops. Um, let's let's jump into first uh, their recap of their last two. So Bethane Cookman, obviously, a few weeks ago, you know, they took them down um, pretty handily, which is what we expected. Um I mean, simple game as far as that's a that's a game on the schedule you see and to bounce back from and get a W at home, some home cooking. Um, but I think Northwestern, let's talk a little bit about what we saw the other night in that game. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head, Bethune Cookman. They're coming in after a really tough Missouri loss. That's the type of game when you hope um, – before like a hellacious Big Ten schedule that you can get get right, uh, really like whittle down, figure out what lineups are going to be, um, almost like a lose lose situation, right? Because you, they, they they did beat the hell out of them, but at the end of the day, it's like they're still they're still going to be like, oh, I don't know if they look cohesive. There's going to be those conversations, and then yeah, like you said, I know we were both pretty. You were there courtside. Uh, shout out to the Connect, but I was watching on TV, so we have. I think we, I know we've kind of already previewed it, but we've got a, some, a lot of thoughts. There's a ton that went on, right? So first of all, atmosphere, right? I think that's what stuck out to me. I don't think a lot of people who maybe haven't played in the game realize um, maybe another like almost lose-lose situation as Illinois. I thought this game came at a horrible time for this program. Uh, early Big Ten struggles after some big non-conference wins. Um I mean, you can speak on it as well, but there's obviously like the big brother, little brother thought process behind playing Northwestern. Um, more of Northwestern Super Bowl than it is Illinois Super Bowl. Um, and then I think that new arena, um, I never got to play there, but I think that new arena, I've been there in person with you last year for the Northwestern game. That place gets jumping. Their fans are crazy. A bunch of, you know, med school nerds. Yelling at you, you could see, um, you could see Illinois was a little emotionally drunk. Uh, it just seemed like you, the fouls were off the charts. Uh, they they looked uncomfortable from the word go. I think even um, you know even like the coaching staff looked a little uncomfortable. You, there's all sorts of memes and gifs going around of just how like I think you can really see the zero and three start in conference on everyone's faces from the staff down to the players. And I just thought that just leaked through the whole game for Illinois. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, number one, like you said, Northwestern did a great job with that place. That is like a perfect college atmosphere. Um, 
for them and, and that arena. Uh, but I agree to your point of like this game on the schedule couldn't have come at a worse time. Um, Super Bowl, right? I mean, you mentioned it. Like that's Northwestern's Super Bowl when Illinois, is, you know, coming to town. Um, and I had that feeling when I knew I was going. Uh, I kind of had that feeling the whole time. I looked at the line. You know, Illinois opened at you know two and a half point favorites, went up to three and a half. Um, so I went into the game. The people I was going with were on our way there, and the thing I said to them was, "This is a must win for Illinois." And they were like, "What are you talking about? Must win for Illinois? We were, you know, we only played two games." I'm like, "You don't want to start the Big Ten season zero and three, especially after what happened a few weeks ago in the bragging rights game." You know, uh, so. I agree with the sentiment of like, I sat courtside, right? So I haven't been to a college basketball game and sat that close in in a few years. So I wanted to kind of just watch from a former player's perspective as far as I was watching the bench. I was watching the way the players interacted more so than I was watching, you know, kind of like what was going on in the game, the X's and O's. Um, And I did that purposefully because my biggest thing with this Illinois team right now is I feel like there hasn't been, besides the first few games when Terrence Shannon Jr. was going off a little bit, I don't feel like they have a vocal or emotional leader, right? Um, and if you're 13, 14 games into your season with a fairly new team, I feel like that has to be established by now. So I'm watching the game, and the the first feeling I got through warmups and the first five, six minutes of the game was that, I saw it in Illinois' body language, their players. It was like, we're happy to be here. Instead of like, they had a purpose, like we're here to win a basketball game, a rivalry game in the Big Ten in NACO 0-3. I just had this sense of feeling like that the way they were walking around, because, you know, Illinois on their chest, um, they had this feeling of like, they're just happy to be there. And like you said, that's that'll come back and get you in a rivalry game, especially against Northwestern. And it did. Um so I didn't pay a ton of the attention to the X, X's and O's, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I just thought their whole demeanor, their whole purpose, and their body language, that whole entire game was not good, especially from their veteran guys and their leaders. I, I didn't see much of of what I wanted to see, at least. Yeah. And I think, you know, we touched on it last pod. I, I was on with you guys as well. Um, but this is like an active experiment into the transfer portal, right? You've got, you touched on leadership, but you've got, extremely talented transfers that came in. Uh, Matt Meyer, Terrence Shannon Jr. But, you know, they're being asked to do more now than they ever, you know, and I know Matt Meyer is one of my favorite players on the team already, but he was never asked to like carry the Baylor national championship team. And you could see the way, um, you could see the way that when you pair that trying to, trying to switch those two superstars roles into kind of taking over the game, taking a majority of the shots, but you're pairing it with four really young freshmen that are getting a lot of minutes. Um, right. And really, I just think there's, there's so much getting used to each other going on out there. And no one, no one has played with each other for more than four months. No, there's no like, Oh, I know where Sam's going to be. He's going to be coming off this cut. He likes to do this. I'll get him the ball in this position here. There's none of that. They're literally feeling this out in the Big Ten, and that's a really bad spot with Wisconsin coming in to feel this stuff out. Um, the only thing that made me feel better, honestly, but the game made me want to puke anytime you're an Illinois fan and you lose to Northwestern. I think we've had the last eight. 
Um, the only thing that made me feel better was actually Underwood's post-game press conference. I thought he was phenomenal. Um, you know, he called out a lot of like the shot selection, a lot of the the fouling, the you know, being too emotional, fouling 94 feet from the basket. Um, and he's a he hangs his hat on punching people in the mouth. Uh, he's got a track record of mm -hmm. losing the first, whatever, six games of conference at Oklahoma State and still making the tournament. So as bad as it was, as little as of as little of cohesion as they had, um, I would not I would it would not shock me in the least bit if they beat Wisconsin. Even Wisconsin's three and zero in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been an Underwood fan since he's been in Illinois, um, and I, I think he's so good at which we've talked about in in previous segments. Um, I think he's so good at his players buying in. Um, they play hard for him. They carry his personality. But one thing I noticed, and maybe it's because I was you know up close and personal this time uh, versus you know watching from afar. Um, and I don't know him that well, but he has this, like, he, he's, he, he's more of like a, which, which I agree with in college basketball, especially nowadays, like you have to be kind of more like of a CEO, right? Um, back in the day you had a head coach, you had some, you know, your staff, but you really didn't have, like the head coach did everything. He did, he called offense, he called defense, he coached, coached the game, whatever. I think Underwood does a good job of, of coaching the game, but I don't know, and I don't know their staff besides Chester. I'm sure he's in charge of the defense. But I feel like nowadays in college basketball, you have to have like an offensive coordinator like you do in football and a defensive coordinator, right? Um, and I'm just, I'm just down on what they do offensively. I, I don't see in any of the games, most recent games, I, I don't see any easy buckets. I don't see anybody getting to the basket, getting easy buckets on the break. Northwestern did an unbelievable job as far as you know, packing the paint. The scouting report on Illinois, obviously, right now is make him shoot contested jump shots, right? right. Um, keep him out of the paint. Um, two freshman point guards, pressure, push, her, push your offense out further. Um, and I just don't remember seeing, besides Dane Danger having a few, you know, putbacks and maybe a few dump downs, I don't remember seeing any easy baskets. And to piggyback on that, you got guys like Jaden Epps, right? He's a freshman. He's probably their best. I mean, I would say now up to this point, besides, you know, the start that Terrence Shannon Jr. had uh, to the season, he, he's probably their best offensive player, right? Or their best offensive option. Sure, natural scorer. Right him, or, him or Meyer, right? Yeah, natural scorer, right? So, but what I saw, you know, when I was watching is he had to create everything himself. That's hard to do at that level, especially as a point guard. You know, you've played at that level. I've played at that level. It's not easy to just go get a bucket. Um so what I didn't see is no sets. So I saw some actions they ran and stuff, some floppies and stuff like that. But I didn't see any, like, for instance, Meyer's your best shooter, right? He should get eight to ten threes a game. Five of them wide open. Run a triple screen for him. You know, every other time down the floor, run him off a double, run him off a pin down. Um, I just don't see any of that. Everything he's getting is out of the natural flow of the offense. And when you have a team that is packing the lane and knows how to guard you and you're not moving without the ball, you're, you're stagnant, it's hard to get open looks and easy baskets. And I just didn't see enough from Underwood or their game plan or whatever it was where they were they had no cohesiveness. It almost like they were just out there in open gym getting up and down. And I just think with, and that's kind of been the theme all year, right? We've talked about it. Now, early on in the season, TJ 
bailed him out, right? He had 29 and 30 versus UCLA and Virginia back to back. Um, he's been able to go get a bucket. And you just referenced in the Big Ten, it's not easy to do that. So you're going to have to change. What, what teams are doing right now is sitting on his left hand and saying, find another way to beat us. And it's not working. But I think there's a point where Underwood has to put these guys in a better position to be successful, right? He's not going to be able to put his head down and get to the rim like that in the Big Ten and get to the free throw line and shoot 8 to 12 free throws a game. Jaden Epps is going to be able to come down and, and dribble the ball 15 times and try to get off a good look, right? Run him off double ball screens, stuff like that. I just don't see enough offensive things and actions they're running to get these guys easy baskets and make their life easier. Right. And it's impossible to occurs when you're a player on a team, right? I, I, I played under Bruce, who was yeah, right. famous for that. Like, oh, shit. And, and all of a sudden, you just have players running everywhere, but you also have the freedom when you have a Demetri McCamey or whoever who can just go create. And then I think, first of all, I totally agree. I totally agree with what you said. Shot selection, maybe the worst I've ever seen in my life. The amount of off, the, off the dribble. I, I told you this the other day. I stand by it. The, the, he should put a rule in that says if you shoot a shot off the dribble, in the next game, like you're on the bench. Like they took, they took <laughs> ten. Uh, create your own shot. No pass. Step back threes from NBA range. Um, not just you know Meyer looking for it. You get Coleman Hawkins, who's six eleven. You know, seven foot doing that from NBA range. Multiple. And you can shoot them. And that's what Brad's point in the post game was. Is like he makes an unbelievable clip. If you saw him shooting practice, you would fall over. Right. And so you need right. to like just again, I know we're piggybacking on Chiller a lot, but I feel like almost like what I said about like when someone's just yelling motion at you or, or do the dribble weave, it is nice just to get in like a one four set or have like get into a set to get you started and get the defense flattened out and then go from there and, and like work the ball from wing to wing. There's too many, there's too many of them that are all trying to take this this bad start to conference on their shoulder and, and the Missouri game horrible, yeah. right? They're all trying to look through it at the same time. I don't think they have enough rules of, you know, there's only so many people that can take 10 to 15 shots. And if everyone's taking six, yep. if everyone's taking six shots, all 11 players who got in the game, like, I don't think that's a recipe for success. I think they need to figure out, and in my mind, it should be Meyer, Epps, Danger. Um, those, those are the three that really hop. Like they should get 10, 15 shots. Next game, yeah. and they throw sets for him, get screens for him, and go from there. Yeah, and you mentioned it. I agree. You mentioned it a, a few episodes ago too about you know early on in the season they were role defining, which you expect from a new team. Um, but I didn't expect three games into the Big Ten season and fourteen games into the season that they'd still be role defining. But you made a good point as far as I think you could you could see it almost the pressure that these guys felt to be the guy to get them out of the rut or get them over the hump, et cetera. Um, and, and I agree with I'm not an equal opportunity guy. I've never been like had that thought process as a as a player uh, watching the game from afar, dealing with high school coaches and whatnot. Like it shouldn't be equal opportunity. Not everybody's the same type of player. Like you said, Jaden Epps should get 10 to 15 looks a game. Matt Myers, like I said, he should shoot minimum six to eight threes a game. Six to eight threes off of designed actions for him to get looks, right? right. He's a 40% career three-point shooter. The law of averages are going to come into play at some point. But I totally agree that the equal opportunity stuff, and then when you get in a situation like you just did against Northwestern, then it becomes helter-skelter. 
You know, right. guys are just, it's one pass. Defense is set. There's three guys on the help side. There's no side top side. You're not getting any closeouts. You're not driving any closeouts. You're not getting Northwestern to get out of their, out of their comfort zone defensively in a scramble mode where you could, then you can get easy buckets. So, I mean, I, I just think I, I love, like I said, I love the way Underwood coaches his guys. I mean, his guys are, he's into his guys. They, 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 they respect him. They buy into him. You could, you could see it and he gets after him. He coaches them. Um, and I love that, but they have to get more polished offensively. They have to get more polished. I, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about their defense. I'm sure in in certain moments they could be better. The one thing I would say about Northwestern is Northwestern came in to that game awfully, awfully comfortable in the first six minutes of the game, where early on in the season, Illinois was picking up from you know three-quarter court and getting into guys, and you know what that does. You waste 10, 12, 14 seconds off the shot clock. Next thing you know, you're starting your offense 35 feet from the basket. It's not just... You know, entry pass, um, and Northwestern could stand there and just kind of you know do what they want. Um, so that's the only gripe I would have defensively is they have to figure out a way. And that's Chester, right? Who we know, who we played with, and had on our bench. Like you'd think he's he's a guy he wants to get up a pressure ninety four feet. That's what he did for four years at Illinois, sure. and they have the athletes to do it right. So get up and, and get into somebody. Yeah, uh, that like. When they did those three or four possessions when they got down in the second half, and it was like where they went three-quarter court just to put a little pressure on them right before they crossed half court, and Northwestern turned it over three times in a row. Um, Northwestern right. didn't have the ball handler, handlers to handle it. Now they're super fundamental. Right. Collins, uh, first of all, we sh- we've been remiss. Collins, phenomenal coaching performance the other night. Um, yeah. But he finally adjusted, and then it was almost like, you know, they, they didn't, they just don't, I think I'm very much in the camp where you have to switch up. Even if you're a hard nose, Brad Underwood, Bruce Weber, whoever, if you're a man-to-man calling carp, I still think it helps to switch up your defense like 10 possessions a game. Like, especially yeah. when... Especially uh, after timeouts and stuff. Right. And especially when you're facing, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. Northwestern looked very comfortable. We looked very uncomfortable all game. And one way to flip-flop that momentum in a game is to just do something out of the norm, right? A full-court press. Even if it's fu- even if it's foe and you're backing off just to, you know, like you said, just so they're crossing half-court at 20 seconds instead of 24. Um, all of that, like, you have to try and... I don't know. Their defense isn't the issue right now, but I still, in a game like that where you're trying to switch momentum, I love, like, get some serious in there, control his freshman fouls, not a big deal. He's just playing hard. They'll fix that. Um, but, like, get him on the ball and have him start weaving that guy 94 feet and throw Coleman Hawkins to jump him and have everyone rotate. Meyer was Meyer's smart enough. He rotated the first time they did that and got a steal. Uh, I think they have the team to do that. I would like to see more of that going forward. Yeah, I mean, they just never the whole whole evening got Northwestern never got uncomfortable, never got out of the rhythm. Right. They let him stay in rhythm the whole entire night. I mean, there was it was very evident um, from the start. Uh, but I think, like I said, the biggest point is I, I want to see something now established. Like, obviously, you want to see how they bounce back, right? So we're going to transition now into um, <clears throat> you know tomorrow, uh, Wisconsin, right? You've played against them a lot. I played against them a few times. Wisconsin is just your prototypical like. I know you talk about. I love your 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 best quote about Bruce is like when he used to coach you and shout out Coach Weber. Um, 
be solid, right? Uh, That's what he used to yell at you. Billy, be solid. Like if there's if there's a way to describe Northwestern basketball the last 20 years, it's what? It's just super solid, right? I mean, they're just a team that you know what you're going to get. They're high IQ, right? Um, they're 14-2 this year. They're high IQ. Um, they're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to get good shots. Um, and they're going to force you into taking contested jump shots and not let you get anything easy. So coming out of a game versus Northwestern, now you're 0-3, right? So let's go into the mindset of the Illinois locker room. Yeah, so How do we approach this game? I mean, we <laughs> it's tough, right? We've both been there. They, they, they are at the lowest emotional state that they've probably ever been in. Um, so a lot of these players, especially even, you know, this is this is tough. They just blown out in the uh, biggest rivalry that Illinois has, which is the Bragging Rights game. Then they go to a, uh, you know, they play a, you know, they play a game that they rolled in against a really small school, and then they get blown out by a, their second largest rivalry in state. Um, their mental, I really, I, I think, I think Underwood will be able to handle it really well. But their mental valley that they're in um, will be – it will pop off the page in the first five minutes of the Wisconsin game. Um, yeah. So, first of all, I think there needs to be a little bit of coddling. Um, sounds like there's – we'll get into it later. Sounds like there's some roster news that happened. It'll be really interesting to see what happens, um, you know, at the point guard position with the rotations. Is he going to start trimming down? I would like to see him maybe trim, you know, quarter, uh, backseat coaching here. But I think he's he's. He, he, I understand why he's been doing it. He's been playing like a lot of guys, a lot of different rotations. I would like to see him just put his chips on what his favorite is and ride with those seven guys against Wisconsin. Um, and yeah. let people get in the rhythm and, and go from there. But you can leave the nail on the head. Wisconsin, Greg Gard is just a continuation of um, – Paul Ryan, right? It's, Paul it's Ryan. his assistant. They both recruited me really heavily. I played I played against both of them, uh, you know, 10 times, I think, in my career. All, all swing offense. They want – even their point guards will try and expose matchups and post up. Then they'll swing it out. All of their – every single one through five can shoot. One through five rebounds. Uh, me and you, we watched the Kansas game together on Thanksgiving. I won't, for, I won't forget that ending. We had some uh, – we had some uh, bad beats happen to us uh, down at that Atlantic uh, or Atlantis game against Kansas, but they're they they legitimate. Uh, they're a legitimate contender to win a phenomenal Big Ten conference. Um, and this yeah. this game, you know, it's kind of like what do we have to lose at this point? I mean, you're not going to they're not going to be favored. They're going to be at home, right? The game's at in Champaign, right? Um, like they like now is the time where Brad Underwood throws the pizza hut parking lot fight on DVD and they go out there and they just scratch and claw one point victory. Like, I don't care how they do it, but they have got to win this game. Yeah. I said it was a must win, uh, uh, versus Northwestern kind of in passing. Now this is like actually like a must win or it can get really bad. Uh, but I, I agree. I mean, Wisconsin's got two losses on the season by a combined four points. So, um, they they're very close to being an undefeated team, uh, so they're they're just so solid, um, and it doesn't really matter. I know you know Illinois is at home, which I think that helps Illinois. But Wisconsin is the type of team that home or away they travel well. You know they 
it's it's not going to affect them. You know what I mean? Being on the road. But I just want to know, and, and you've been there before. I've been there before. After like an 0-3 start on this, like, you know, a losing streak skid like this, um, the media's all over you, haven't played well, um, lost to Northwestern. I want to know what practice was like in the locker room and the coaches' offices and around Oven was like the last few days because I'm sure it was not good. I just remember after a few losses, a few losses at Illinois, and then back when I was at Bradley, we had some bad losses where we had like five in the morning practice like the next day, and the, there was no worse film sessions the day after a game like they just played at Northwestern. Yeah, I, you remember like getting ready to walk into film like the next day after a loss like that when you know like four of your clips are on there and they're going to get called out and you're just like hoping and praying when you're like watching you know with the team and and coaches up up, up in front of the film room you're like I know these four clips are going to be on there you're just hoping and praying that they're not. Oh my god! Yeah, and we had the way. I mean, both me and you had Wayne McLean, right? So we, we yeah, told right. he was like you want to talk about getting lit up in a film session. Like he would spend, he might spend 30 minutes on one down screen that you went under uh, and just like, and go off on a tangent about how you're soft because you saw you were playing golf at a country club in Peoria last time he coached there. Right. So, right. So yeah. He's on the table when your enemies want to, uh, when your when enemies want to, in one of these streaks, these losing streaks. I think, you know, they're, they've got some mature parts on this team. I think that is where as much yeah. change that uh, Tim Shannon Jr. and Matthew Meyer are going through right now, I think they will at least have the overall body of experience to not get too up, not yeah. to not get too down, right? So I would look right. for those two. Um, eventually, you know, the freshmen just aren't ready yet to lead, to take this thing by the horns. I, I would if this right. thing turns around, it's going to be on the backs of those two getting comfortable and being like, you know, they were way too. We talked about it. They were way too emotionally drunk at Northwestern. If they need to be what, what we used to call the magic level, right? There's like not ready to play mm-hmm. the magic level and then emotionally drunk where you're fouling 65 times and Northwestern shoots 30 more free throws. So if they can kind right. of mentally figure it out, the physical tools are there, like. They're more out there. You know, they're like a final four pick at the beginning of the season. They're right. they're gonna they're gonna be okay if they can get their their mind right. If Brad can can kind of facilitate right. all that. And he said that after the game in his presser too. He said it's on him to get these guys emotionally ready to play. Um, and obviously, he hasn't done that the last few games. So I think tomorrow will be a. I think I, I think tomorrow can be a. I don't want to say make or break game, but from our perspective, watching how they bounce back from this skid they're on, we'll know that if this team's got a chance or doesn't have a chance. And you know how grueling and long of a Big Ten season is. You get in that hole and you can't crawl back out of it. It's 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 not easy. Um, but I want to transition to you mentioned it. So we're talking about you know Wisconsin uh, coming in tomorrow. Um, and you talked about their, uh, you know, playing 11 guys, right? The rotation right now is a little stretched. Um, you'd like to see them play seven or eight. And I agree with that. I think find your best seven or eight players and go with it. Because um, here's my thought on that. So if you're playing 11 guys, let's think of a just, if you have 30 games in a, in a college basketball season, right? You got your top players, top three players on the team. So in any given game, you might have five games a year where you have five guys on the floor or on your roster that play well in a single game together. 
right? Most times you're not, probably not going to have more than that. You might have two or three guys that are playing well throughout the game, but your other five or six guys um, might not be playing well. So it's hard at the college level to get 11 guys on the floor throughout a game all doing positive things and playing well. So to your point, if he trims that that Ross or that rotation down a little bit, I think that might help his players to get more cohesive and more into a rhythm. Um, the only worry I have, which is just breaking news a few hours ago, um, is that Sky Clark, who I'm big on, you know, we talked about it the other day. So Bill and I talked the other day, and my one of my biggest takeaways from this season um, thus far in the Northwestern game was that Sky Clark has to be more aggressive as an offensive threat. Um, I love his body. Uh, I love his strength. I love his explosiveness. I love his handle. Um, I love how he navigates a game. Um, I just feel like every time he touched the ball, he never looked at the basket. He was always a, he would catch it and move it. And the few times he was aggressive, he either got in the paint, got somebody else a look, got to the rim himself, or created some kind of closed out situation and made the defense scramble. So I'm with you the other day, and I'm talking about how Sky Clark needs to be more aggressive. I'm even like, yo, I'm going to call Chester. Next time I see Chester, tell him, like, dude, tell this tell this dude to be more aggressive. Like, he's going to help not only himself, he's going to help the rest of the team. He's going to open things up. Um, and then two hours ago, I'm on Twitter, and we find out that Sky Clark has taken a personal leave from the team, um, and that's what we got. I mean, he started in – this is a the starting point guard, right? Um, started in 12 or the 13 uh, games this year. Um, that's a big loss. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my mind's kind of blown. I mean, he, he maybe was the, probably the highest profile of a huge freshman class. Like, yeah, they're recruiting for this, these four freshmen this year. Unbelievable. Uh, I think all, their ceilings for all of them are unbelievable, but he might've been the crown jewel as far as like national media is concerned. Right. Um, he comes in, he starts immediately big time games, has a big matchup. Um, I'm going to forget his name, but the UCLA point guard guard is as good as they get. Um, has pretty good showings. Oh, yeah, little Tiger Campbell. Oh, yeah. It, it has pretty good showings. Yeah, he's a stud. Um, against UCLA, I thought, you know, obviously he had freshman tendencies. Did not think he played well against Northwestern. I saw a lot of it saying, you know, now as a freshman, you start to hit the Big Ten. You have a skid. You have Brad Underwood in your face. I think you are – I think the point guard position is – more important than the quarterback position in football for me. Like your team goes as your point guard goes. And now all of a sudden with this yep. breaking news, Scott Clark's out. I think, I don't know. I, I would want to maybe talk to the staff about this, but can Epps play point guard? Because that would be my first uh, quick substitution. In my mind, he's more of a two guard, which is kind of why I asked the question. Yeah. Um, then I may try that out to see if he can bring the ball up the floor and get more offensive power. Next, it goes to Sincere Harris, who another one of those amazing freshmen I talked about, but he's more of the defensive end, uh, but he can bring the energies too. So either way, a freshman's going to have to step up. They, they they don't have anybody else on the roster. Um, right. Uh, so who's it going to be? One of those two. They, they're both impressive, but they're completely different players. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's they went from basically they only had two ball handlers. Um I mean, I'm talking about like legitimate point guard, ball handling duties, get you in your offense, bring the ball up the court, that type of stuff, coach on the floor type deal. Um, now you got one. 
Um, and like you said, if it, it, and I've played that position before and I've had, had years and I've been on different teams throughout my career and I've been at where I was had to play like a, a combo role where I have to be more of a scorer um, than I do point guard. And I've also done the, you know, had, had teams I've been on where I've had to be just a true point guard and, and really just, and I'll tell you that if they do that to Jaden, which I don't think they're gonna have a choice because he's the only other point guard on the roster. Um, when you have that role and you got to play 35 to 38 minutes as, as a point guard and have all those duties of, you know, like you said, getting us into our offense, getting us in the right positions to be a coach on the floor that, that can drain you and take away from your, you know, his focus on, like you said, scoring, which is where they need help as well. So um, I, I just, like I said, I, I'm not going to speculate because I don't know details, but um, it, 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 they're in turmoil right now, right? That locker room is, is not a good place. Um, we didn't have this, right? I mean, we had people transfer out of the program when we played, um, but right. with this new transfer portal thing, like it's almost like, and I don't know all the details on it, but apparently you can like click a button at any point during your you career and enter the transfer portal, right? So like, if this happened when we were playing, like it, we would have known about it and like then it would get leaked to the media or whatever and it would be already like a done deal. Like he would be leaving, you know what I mean? This... It's just different now. And I did read something on Twitter. And like I said, I'm not going to speculate much, but, um, you know, he, he decommitted from, from Kentucky coming out of, out of, uh, out of high school. And then, you know, to Illinois, I think he went to multiple different high schools. So some of me says that this could be a little bit of a locker room issue. I know he got hurt the last few games, but he doesn't start at Northwestern. Um, the first game he doesn't start all year and then he transfers or not, I shouldn't say transfer, but he's, he's taken a, a leave from the program a day later. Um, this is something where I think, and I'm sure we'll hear from Underwood obviously before the Wisconsin game and he'll address it, but, um, just, just not a good, not a good, uh, situation right now down in Champaign for, for Illini hoops. Um, I mean, I want to just echo what you're saying for us to sit here and speculate on what did or did not happen it's i mean like you said I, we both saw the news on twitter like an hour ago so right. no one knows right. at least no none of us here know what happened uh my guess would be that there you know sometimes you get to a program it didn't happen to me but i mean i tell you what if there's a transfer portal I, you know I, I didn't play very much my freshman year like it, it, right. it's a totally different thing but like you talked about the eject for with the new transfer portal maybe Maybe there was a disconnect. He, you know, he's from LA. He's from LA, right? They're California. Uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. He, he's probably at this point in the season, he's probably super homesick. Brad Underwood is an in-your-face type of guy. That personality is not for everyone. Right. He's a tough-nosed coach, and you better be tough-nosed back. And I think he's dealt with injuries lately. His mental framework, yeah. you know, maybe he just needed a break um, and had to get out of there. But like you said, it'd be. I'm just interested to see what the staff has to say about how everything went down, if they'll, if they'll leak any details. But kind of a little uh, – you just there's, – there's probably as bad as we think the locker room is right now. Uh, you just pray it's not worse when, when you start poaching really good recruits. Yeah, and listen, this is – this is the first thing that's that's gotten leaked to the media, but we've both been in locker rooms for, for – years back in our careers and there are countless 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 things that happen throughout a year um types of adversity in locker rooms with teammates with coaches etc that never 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 get out um 
So my point is that sometimes these type of things can rally a team, you know, and I'm not saying that Sky Clark leaving is going to rally the team, but sometimes you need to hit rock bottom, like you mentioned. Um, And this could be rock bottom, you know, for this team right now. And fortunately, they're three games in the Big Ten. They're not 13 games in the Big Ten. Um, So like you said, if they go in tomorrow, what do we have to lose, right? Um, If they go in with that mindset, um, this could be something that they rally around. You know, you never know. Yeah, eventually, like, I mean, like you said, rock bottom, you can push off the bottom. If I'm grabbing two coaches in the world, that I I want after after hitting rock bottom, it's probably Chester Frazier and Brad Under. Sure. Brad, I don't know. Brad, I, I've met Brad a handful of times. Um, that what I see from you just want someone mentally tough. Uh, he obviously doesn't. He's, yeah. They're not going to give up. So it's a matter of like the playing hard is going to be there. It's a matter of if they can figure out all the other stuff we talked about. Right, the offensive right. roles. If that just clicks one game, like it's already shown. Once it clicks. They beat, you know, they beat UCLA. They, you know, they go to the Garden and play well there. Big time non-conference games. Like once that clicks, they that. They may just have to make the tournament. The, right. the Big Ten might be, might be sliding out of reach depending on how Wisconsin finishes up. But they used to make the tournament. Who cares if they run Big Tens the last couple of years, right? They've already got that ring in their bag. Right. They won a Sweet Sixteen or boss this year. So at this point, I think their focus needs to change. Obviously, bad start, but let's just get into the tournament and make some crazy stuff happen. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think it, that's the what I think is is confusing me the most about this team, which which makes me think that there's more to it and more going on behind the scenes that we think is like you said. I mean, their win versus UCLA that was like one of the most cohesive Brad Underwood Illinois teams I've seen. Right around that time you know then they beat texas in that huge win i mean everybody contributed it's like this team is on their way to be that's the beauty of 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 college sports right and we went through it i mean you ride the waves you ride the up ups and downs in an emotional roller coaster um that's why you're a team that's why you do it um and that's why brad underwood is in the position he's in this is his job to get these guys out of it um and if he gets the buy-in from his guys um like you said, I think it could take one game, right? It's it's tomorrow, 1230. They get a win versus Wisconsin at home. We're going to get on here two days later and talk about how they look like a completely different team, right? And the sky's the limit. Yeah. Um, just the thing in the Big Ten is after you play Wisconsin, then you got to go to Nebraska. Then you got Michigan. You know what I mean? So it's it's just there's no nights off. No. Um, but I think more importantly, even if they – I mean, it's a must win. Don't get me wrong. But there has to be some type of change we need to see tomorrow in their body language, in their demeanor, in the way they approach the game. Um, and I think that's that's what's most important is that we see a different makeup um, emotionally and like you said from these guys tomorrow watching them. Yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see more energy that's not forced. So who, who can be who can be the guy that is as themselves in their own body, but also yeah. also create the energy right and. They have to somehow, I'm sure the fan base is down, but they have got to use that arena tomorrow. If that, you know, if that home floor advantage can just take three or four points off the Wisconsin score at the end of the game, just one or two mm-hmm. threes that they, you know, they missed that they would have hit, then all of a sudden that that's easily the difference between squeaking out victory and not. Right. Yeah. All right, good stuff, bro. Um, good catching up. That's a lot of content right there. Um, so 
we'll circle back. Shout out. Hold on. I just want to give a shout out to Brandon. Brandon wasn't on this episode, but um, for what it's worth, Brandon will be on future episodes. He's part of the crew. Um, so we'll be back with more episodes of Champagne Room Podcast. Again, I'm Sam Maniscalco, uh, along with former Illini uh, swingman Bill Cole. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, everybody. That was awesome. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.